tonight. You know, it's uh, it's funny how that a lot of churches uh, have abandoned the old hymns because I find that, boy, the worse this world gets, the more appropriate those old hymns really are. Uh, boy, if we ever needed a shelter in the time of storm, it is today. And it's so nice to be able to come into the house of the Lord. It truly is a shelter in the time of storm. And we can come here, we can get into God's word, and, and we can be reassured that, boy, the things that, uh, that God taught thousands of years ago, he still teaches today and he still affirms to be true. We are in the book of 1 John tonight, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John and chapter 4. And boy, one of the things that it is so nice is the fact that the God's definition of love has not changed. Even though the world's definition of love certainly has gone through many changes, God's definition of love has not changed. I'm thankful for that because his love is unconditional. And so when uh, uh, God sent his son to die on the cross for us, he still says that is the demonstration of love. And it still is today. And of course, John talks about love, but we're in First John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, just verse 1 tonight. And I want to park on this uh, verse. So First John chapter 4, verse number 1. Let's go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word if you uh, are able to. If not, obviously, you can just follow along with us. First John chapter 4 and beginning in verse number 1. John says, Beloved. Believe not every spirit. Well, that's not very tolerant of John, is it? Believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We're going to talk about that tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask that, Lord, you would lead us tonight. We need your leadership. Lord God, we need your, uh, your teaching. Father, we need your doctrine. And I pray that you would just lead and guide us into your truth tonight. We thank you for the power of, our, of your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the presence of your spirit. We do pray now that you would just be with um, all, the, uh, all the ministries tonight. But Lord God, be with this message, we pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, obviously, we can see that love just is not acceptant of anything and everything. John right out says, don't believe everything. Um, you, you need to try the teachings. You need to try the spirits. And, of course, we know we try them according to the word of God. A common mistake made by people in forming their not just religious opinions, but even their moral opinions and doctrines or lack thereof is to listen to anyone who, and I'm going to give you five things here, to listen to anyone who, number one, makes sense. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, a lot of, fa a lot of fallacy makes perfect sense, but it doesn't make it any more true. And sometimes people are really good at making fallacy sound like they make sense. You know, that's part of being a good salesman, part of being a good salesperson. Many times you'll walk into a place not realizing you need something, 
Uh, but someone was able to convince you by some, uh, well, just by arguments that, well, made sense. You know, I didn't think I needed a new car, but now I'm convinced I do need a new car. Uh, I, I can remember we uh, had a vacuum cleaner salesman come to our house one time. And, of course, it's always with uh, the premise that you're not obligated to buy anything. I just need to be able to present. So if you just allow me a place to present. Well, you know, um, uh, even though I was convinced after the person was there that I needed a new vacuum cleaner, I also knew this. I didn't have I couldn't mortgage my home to buy that vacuum cleaner. And so uh, it makes sense. And a lot of people will base truth on whether or not it just makes sense. Number two, it's, uh, it possesses some spiritual insight or power. It may possess some spiritual insight or power. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But just because it, it possesses spiritual insight, remember, Satan is a spiritual being. And we need to realize that. We need to understand that, that, that just because something is spiritual does not mean that it's biblical. All right, number three, we'll listen to anyone if their doctrine or their opinion or the person themselves is sincere. You know, you can be sincerely wrong. It doesn't make you any less sincere, but it still makes you wrong. Uh, Number four, if it makes us feel good. If it makes us feel good, a lot of us are convinced. Well, I like that. You know, I I like that teaching. No one likes the teaching on hell. No one likes the teaching that we are all worthy of hell. That that's where we uh, we are all headed if Jesus doesn't die on the cross for us and if we don't accept Christ as personal Savior. Nobody likes the fact that hell is eternal punishment. Man, that scares me to death. I do not like that teaching. I don't like that doctrine. Uh, But one of the reasons I don't like it is because I'm not perfect like God is, and I certainly am not just. I I also am um, influenced by my own likes, my own dislikes, my own opinions, my own uh, bigotry. I mean, we're all influenced by those things. And uh, so uh, just because I don't like it doesn't make it any less truth. Well, a lot of times people will base their entire belief system on whether they like it or not. And then number five, number five, um, people often will base their opinions and doctrines or lack thereof and listen to anyone who claims to be Christian. Well, this claims to be a Christian teaching. This claims to be a Christian teacher. Can I say that, boy, throughout the history of Christianity, most of what has called itself Christianity is not Christianity at all. And so um, those certainly are not good arguments to make when we base a doctrine on something. So John's warning here is not to believe anyone who comes along um, and needs to uh, uh, ring loud in their ears of, of every born-again Christian. So he already warned us about listening to our own feelings in chapter 3, verse number 20. He says, if our heart condemn us, 
God's greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Our heart is going to tell us things that, that are not true. As a matter of fact, even after you're saved, you know Christ is your personal Savior. There will be times your own heart condemns you. In other words, you're not going to feel like a saved person, but thank the Lord our salvation is not based on feelings, it's based on the truth of the Word of God. And though our feelings change, man, our, our emotions are like a roller coaster from day one day to the next. It's so nice to know that the Word of God is grounded and it'll cause us to be grounded if we just get back to it. So it's true that many people feel like They are saved when indeed the word of God warns them that they are not. Just like sometimes Christians feel like they're not saved when the word of God reassures them that they are. And so the the warning in this verse is simple. And I want to break it up into three parts here. He says, number one, in 1 John chapter 4, verse number one, uh, Beloved, believe not every spirit. So the first thing that I would say to you is this. Do not misplace your trust. Do not misplace your trust. Be careful what you trust. Be careful who you trust. Understand this. There are many spirits out there. Beloved, believe not every spirit. There are many spirits out there conveying messages, but there is only one spirit of truth. Let's not forget that Paul asserted that not only false teachers may teach you uh, a a thing or two, but even angels may teach you wrong doctrine. So there are spirits out there, but there's only one spirit of truth. Keep your finger in 1 John here, and let's go back to the book of Ephesians and be reminded of this very fact. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 3. Ephesians 4, 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So he says that there's, uh, there's one spirit with a capital S. There's one spirit of, of truth. Um, a spiritual teaching, understand, isn't necessarily a truthful teaching. But there's lots of spiritual teaching out there. Uh, that's not biblical teaching. As a matter of fact, the first error was spiritual teaching. Genesis chapter 3, the book of Genesis chapter 3. Of course, we know this well also, Genesis chapter 3. And Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse number 2. Eve is receiving some spiritual teaching here, but it's not biblical teaching. Verse 2 of Genesis chapter 3. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent, who we know is the devil, 
said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Well, this is spiritual teaching. Surely this has to be the truth. This is why John says, try the spirits, try the spirits. You know, Eve should have said, well, here is a spiritual teaching telling me this, but God's word says this. And even though this is very compelling, even though this is very impressive, I have to believe Satan's pretty impressive. I have to believe he's pretty uh, compelling. I have to believe that he is uh, he's very persuasive. He does all of those things. And not only that, you know, notice that he covers all of these things. It makes sense. Eve looked at the tree of knowledge of good and evil and saw that it was good for food. Well, that makes sense. Not only that, but Satan says that you will actually know more if you experience it. And doesn't God want you to experience and to have knowledge? Well, of course he does. Incidentally, this is the same reason that many Christian coaches will give to parents who are hesitant about their kids playing on Sunday. Well, don't you think that God gave your kid a talent and you shouldn't keep them from developing that talent? That makes perfect sense. They're only going to have one opportunity to develop this talent. It's while they are kids. But they also only have one opportunity really to memorize scripture uh, as best they can. And that's while they're kids. They ought to be soaking up the, uh, the word of God like a sponge in the house of God. But nonetheless, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It, per, it possesses some spiritual insight. I mean, Satan did not deny God. He just is giving a better explanation of what God said. Just like those preachers who will preach against a literal hell. They'll not say, oh, the Bible doesn't teach on hell. No, instead they'll say, well, let me tell you what that actually means. Well, as far as I know, what it means is a place where the fire is not quenched and where the worm doesn't die. A place that is so horrible that God says that if your eye could take you there, you ought to pluck it out because it's better to pluck out your own eye than to go through the torment that is in an eternal hell. He says, if your hand could take you there, it'd be better to saw your hand off than to go through the literal pain of a literal hell where the fire is not quenched and the worm doesn't die. Sounds pretty self-explanatory to me, but you know, we need some reverence to come along and to give us better teaching on it so we can better understand that, yeah, that's what it says, but that's not really what it says. Kind of sounds like what Satan was doing back in the beginning. Yeah, that's what he said, but that's not really what he's saying. See, he has some spiritual insight. Um, now, we know Satan wasn't sincere, some false teachers are because the Bible tells us that he was a liar from the beginning and the father of them. 
And so he certainly was not sincere. However, a lot of false teachers are. And they claiming, claim as far as claiming to be a Christian, he, uh, Satan never denied God. Matter of fact, he came as, as, as one who was trying to help her be, have a better relationship with God. And so all of these things ring true with the, with the exception of Satan was not sincere. He was, he's a sincere liar is what he is. Uh, but nonetheless, it may, not be, uh, it may not be spiritual in the biblical sense, but it is spiritual in that it was taught by a spirit. Doctrines taught by spirits can feel so right. You know, some spirits will even give you real, a real experience that though real is unbiblical. I remember sitting in my office one day with a fellow who swore up and down that he was saved. And I says, well, I'd really like to hear your testimony. He gave me this testimony. And listen, whether or not this is what he actually saw, I, I don't know. But I do know this, Satan and his angels are pretty powerful, and they can give pretty powerful visions. But he said this, he says, well, you know, I had this accident at work, which he did, and he was on disability. He fell off a ladder, he was unconscious, he was in a coma for a while, but while he was in this coma, he met Jesus. And from that point on, he knew he had to live his life for the Lord. I said, well, that was, that, that, that's quite an experience, <laughs> but when did you acknowledge that you were a sinner in, in need of a Savior? Uh, when were you born again? He says, in that vision, I was born again. Did he have the vision? You know, you hear about people who have these near-death experiences and go towards the light. The thing is, I don't see that in the Word of God. Are you saying they didn't ha- it didn't happen? I'm not saying that at all. You know, one of the biggest arguments I get in with people, and I really don't anymore because I, I've discovered it's pointless, is people who, who uh, speak in tongues. And you take them to the scripture, and I've had more than one people end the argument with this. I don't care what you say, and I don't care how you twist that scriptures, that scripture, I know what I experienced. Keyword, experienced. I am not arguing with the experience. I really do believe people speak in tongues. I believe it's a spiritual experience. However, the modern day tongues movement is not a biblical experience. It may very well be spiritual. Some of these healings, I don't know, maybe they're real, maybe they're not, but we do know this, we have the word of God, those signs are not necessarily available anymore. Hey, listen, we mustn't forget Satan is a spiritual being. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 reminds us that not only will his teachers be convincing and spiritual, but 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, In no marvel, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So, John says, try the spirits. Don't, don't just stop with, well, it's spiritual. Because 
a lot of things that are spiritual are not necessarily biblical. So we got to try the spirits. Um, try the spirits, whether they are of God. So because of the fact that there are many spirits, don't discount many of the wonders being done by false teachings. Hey, we know during the tribulation, there are going to be wonders and miracles performed by uh, the satanic uh, uh, presence. These spirits are very convincing. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 7, where we see uh, we see this, the book of Exodus, and chapter 7, Exodus chapter 7. The book of Exodus in chapter 7, we're going to begin reading in verse number 10, Exodus chapter 7, and verse number 10. The Bible says, And Moses and Aaron went unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then the Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now, uh, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. And so they were also able... For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. Ah, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. But nonetheless, they were able to to duplicate. And we know that there are limitations. And we also know that it came to the point where they weren't able to duplicate many of the plagues. However, they were... To a, to a degree, able to, to duplicate some of these things. So Jesus warned that in the last days, they would be extremely convincing. In Matthew 24, verse 24, Jesus warns us that there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Which is why John warns. John was there when Jesus taught this. Try the spirits. John was there when Jesus says there's going to be false Christ. There's going to be false prophets. There's going to be false miracles. There's going to be false spirituality. Try the spirits. They also can manipulate people, causing them to do things they otherwise would not be able to do or could not do. You remember when Jesus went to the land of the Gadarenes on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? In Mark chapter 5, verse number 2, the Bible tells us that he met with uh, the demoniac of Gadara. The Bible tells us in Mark 5, 2, that when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Remember, John says, try the spirits. They don't all manifest themselves in this way. Some of them manifest themselves as an angel of light. But we can definitely see in this illustration 
what they are capable of doing. The Bible tells us that he had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not with chains. Now, let's just stop right there. Doesn't that sound familiar? Who in the Old Testament could they not bind? Not a man possessed by a devil, but a man who is possessed by the Holy Spirit. His name was Samson, and they could not bind him. He didn't live in the tombs, but nonetheless, we can see similarities here. Um, the difference was Samson had perfect control of his faculties, and we're going to talk about this here in, in a little bit. Um, the Bible says no man could bind him not with chains because the, he had been often bound with fetters and chains. The chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And so, uh, listen, these spirits can cause people to do things that they otherwise would not be able to do. But I want you to notice the difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit and the possession of unclean spirits. Samson was always in his right mind. And the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Samson uh, in times when Samson was in need and he was able to control himself. The Holy Spirit influences but never controls. I want you to understand that. Men have been able to do great things under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but are always of a sound mind. Remember what the Bible says, that God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And it's important that we bring this up. We can control the spirit of truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And um, matter of fact, let's just turn over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this has been very consistent, even in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And in verse number 27, when they were out of control in the church. And Paul is teaching them, listen, there needs to be control. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, that by course, and let one interpret. In other words, there's going to be, there needs to be a program. There needs to be order. However, if this whole idea of being slain in the spirit is a true doctrine, there's no way you can have a course. There's no way you can have order. Bible tells us in verse number 28 here. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Oh, but Lord, what if he's slain in the spirit? He can't help himself. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, some of the videos or the teachings where they're slain in the spirit or they're slain in laughter or 
they, they can't help themselves. The, the Spirit of God, some of them fall over. They just fall back. They can't help it because they're slain in the Spirit. Can I say this? There's no such teaching, Old Testament or New Testament, of being slain in the Spirit to the point you're not in control of your faculties. That's demonic. That's not Holy Spirit. Bible goes on, verse 29. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. Now, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets, look at this, are subject to the prophets. And so it is a, it, it, it's a gift, and it is of the Holy Spirit, and it's subject to the prophets or, or to those who have it. In other words, no one has ever been slain in the Holy Spirit. Slain in other spirits? Yes. Slain in the Holy Spirit? No, not according to the Word of God. It doesn't happen. Slain in laughter. How many of you ever seen videos of, indivi- of, of church, church services where they're slain in laughter? They just can't help it. I remember watching a Batman and Joker episode one time where that was the case. And, uh, well, the end was not very good for those slain in laughter. But, none, you know, here, here's the thing. It's not a biblical teaching. They will tell you, I know what I experienced. I'll tell you what, I would like for some of them who have a lot of money to come in here because giving is also a spiritual gift. What about being slain and giving? Wouldn't that be something they come in and they can't help it? They just start throwing their credit cards at the preacher, their cash at the preacher, and, and all that they have writing down all of their bank numbers. I can't help it. I'm slain in the spirit. Well, just keep writing, brother. Keep writing. It's funny how convenient these things are. Slain in this and slain in that. But no one has ever been slain in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the spirit is subject because God is a God of order not chaos. God is, an, uh, God is a God of uh, doing things by course and not just by doing things uh, off the cuff. The lying spirits also can influence, then control, leaving one of an unsound mind, and that is not the Holy Spirit, which gives us a sound mind can be seen in many, as I said, charismatic churches today by those who are uncontrollably doing this, muttering, fainting, uh, rolling, laughing, and the list goes on and on. They've been slain. They do this because they can't help it, or so they say, but it's not of the Holy Spirit. said, preacher, how do you know? Because John says, believe not every spirit. Try the spirits. We only have one litmus test. It's the word of God. 
And that's what God has given to us. The demoniac of Gadara had no control. He was slain in a spirit. That's why they could not tame him. I'm sure he rolled around at times, perhaps laughing when they tried to bind him with chains and fetters. He was slain in a spirit, but it certainly was not the Holy Spirit. So do not misplace your trust. The second thing I would say, uh, getting back to our main text, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. So first of all, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Do not misplace your trust. Number two, do put teachings through the test. So do not misplace your trust. Do put teachings through the test. The Bible tells us that when Paul went to Berea, that the people in Berea were noble. And then it follows up by saying they were noble because they searched the scriptures. They did not misplace their trust. Well, just because Paul is convincing, and this all sounds really good. No, the Bible says that they were noble because they searched the scriptures to see if those things were true. And then they found that not only is Paul, uh, not only is he convincing, it's convicting because it is true, because it's what the word of God tells us. Do put teachings through the test. How not to try the spirits. Let me just give you, first of all, how not to test the spirits. How not to try the spirits. Or, or how not to be convinced that this is a good teaching. Number one, do not use personal experience. Do not use personal experience. We've all been tricked. Boy, you know, um, in December, I know it's a long way away. It'll be here before we know it. But in December, we're going to have Brother Watkins with us again for our, uh, for our Christmas banquet. He fools us all. You know, the, uh, that whole thing, uh, seeing is believing. Well, he's so good at uh, being an illusionist that seeing really just baffles us because we know that couldn't have happened, but we saw it. Uh, don't try the spirits by personal experience. Uh, uh, you know, as has already been pointed out, lying spirits are real and so are their works. As I uh, used the illustration already, um, I've heard people say, I don't care what the Bible says. I, I know what I felt. No one's denying that people feel or see. And no one's denying that what they felt or saw was real. But is it according to the scriptures? You know, the magicians and the sorcerers really did turn their rods into serpents. The Bible says that they did likewise. The Bible doesn't say that they, they used a trick. The Bible says that they did likewise. And the fact that they were sorcerers tells us who their source was of turning the rods into serpents. They saw it. So personal experience is not a good way to determine a teaching. Jesus warned concerning personal experience in Matthew chapter 7, 
when he said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Some will have prophesied. And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. They have these experiences. But they did not have biblical salvation. It makes all the difference in the world. Try your salvation. Is it biblical? Try your baptism. Was it biblical? Try the teachings. Are they biblical? So personal experience is not a good litmus test. Also, number two, personal feelings. Not a good litmus test. If Eve hadn't felt like eating the fruit of the tree was the right thing to do, she would never have done it. Scripture tells us that she was completely deceived. That it just felt right. And the Bible tells us that it, as she was experiencing it, the experience just felt right. It was good for food. We, rem- we need to remember that these real spirits can help manifest real emotions. Don't be driven by emotion. And then number three, another, another way not to try the spirits, not to try the doctrines. Number three, personal opinion. So personal experience, personal feelings, personal opinion. Lying spirits will feed on these opinions, telling you exactly what you want to hear. So how do we test the spirits? John says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Obviously, first and foremost, studying the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we study to show ourselves approved. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us that. And the best way to reveal a scam has always been to consult with God. A great illustration is in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 9. The children of Israel, they have come in to the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. They saw God stop the rivers of the Jordan. They went across on dry land. And then their first conquest was the city of Jericho. And, of course, God brought a great, great uh, victory um, uh, there at Jericho. He brought the walls down miraculously, and they went in. And then, of course, we know they went to Ai and didn't consult with God before going. Had they consulted with God, God would have said, don't go because there's sin in the camp. But they went, they got beat, and then they consulted with God and then realized why they got beat. So then they went and they defeated Ai. There was a city close by that said, man, if they can do this to Jericho and they can do this to Ai, they can certainly do it to us. And so we have got to do something about this. We can't fight them. Maybe we can trick them. So we know what happens. Some elders from Gibeon, they put on some old clothes and they got some old moldy bread. And they crawled to the uh, uh, 
they crawled to the camp of the Israelites. It looked like they had traveled for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And the reason that was important was because God had told Joshua, do not make a league with any inhabitants within the parameters of the promised land. And so they acted as, as if they had come from the other side of the globe. And they said, look, uh, uh, we've traveled all this way just because we heard about you. We heard about your God and we just wanted to come and we wanted to. We just wanted to meet you. Flattery. Feelings. Personal opinions about themselves, about their God. They told them everything they wanted to hear and showed them everything they wanted to see. And the Bible tells us in Joshua 9, verse number 3, that when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work wily. Joshua chapter 9, verse number 14. Because they worked wily, the men took their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. In other words, they did not try the spirits. They did not try the teaching. They did not try the doctrine. It was all a big lie. Instead, the Bible says Joshua made peace with them, something they were not supposed to do with any of the inhabitants of the land. And, and of course, if you know, as the story goes on, this would cost them. It would cost them almost immediately because now they've made a league, they made a contract, and they had to, they were bound by that contract. Do not misplace your trust. Do put teachings to the test. And number three, realize that not all spiritual teachers are teachers of the truth. Realize that not all spiritual teachers are teachers of the truth. John, 1 John 4, the second part to verse number one. Why do we try the spirits? Why do we have to uh, not be in all inclusive of anyone who calls themselves Christian, of anyone who claims to teach out of the Bible? Why can't we just accept everybody? Because, John says, many false prophets are gone out into the world. False prophets are not going to call themselves teachers of Satan. False prophets are not going to call themselves secularists. False prophets are not going to come in here and say, I'm an atheist, but I'd like to teach you a thing or two. They know they're not going to get past that front door. False prophets are going to say, I'm a Christian. They're going to call us brothers and sisters. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And by the way, not all of them teach obvious lies. Remember, not only is Satan the father of lies, but the very first thing that the Bible says about the devil, the very first thing, not that he's an obvious liar, 
Know that he is the most subtle of all creatures. So he doesn't come to Eve and say, I don't even believe anything God says. No, he says God's teachings are good and you need to listen to them. But you also need to better understand them. And I'm here to help you. I've seen more churches wrecked by people who have come in and said, I am, a, you know, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. And then they come in and, boy, one of the, the groups, uh, I remember when I was a kid, how it, it, it took a bunch of good people out of our church when I was a little kid, and I didn't quite understand it. And it was a movement that kind of took a nosedive, but here recently has picked way up again. And I have seen it wreak havoc in church after church after church. And here's what I don't understand. If you want to have that kind of a church, there's those kind of churches out there. Why do you got to come in and ruin one that doesn't believe like that? I believe that you're saved by grace in Jesus Christ. I believe that for for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I believe that God has foreknowledge. I believe that God God is sovereign. But I do not adhere to the teachings of these hyper-Calvinists. I'm evangelistic. I believe that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yet I have seen more and more lately of these individuals that will get into a church and then they gain a following. Why? Because they're very, uh, first of all, most of them are, are very smart. Can I say this? The devil's no dummy. They're very subtle. They, um, they're sincere. But there's a, lot of Calvinistic, there's a lot of Calvinist churches out there. You don't have to come and try to destroy one that does not believe that. Um, I, I know the Bible talks about uh, God knowing all things. However... I also believe we can we can resist the Holy Spirit. People do. I also believe that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, um, there are lying spirits out there. And they don't come in the guise of anything other than Christianity. These lying spirits have been known to cost people their lives. In 1 Kings chapter 22, we read of King Ahab. King Ahab brings all of the prophets together. By the way, not a one of them was a prophet of Baal. And the reason for that is because King Ahab wanted to go up against Ramoth Gilead and he wanted help. So he, uh, so he got uh, Jehoshaphat to come and help him. Well, Jehoshaphat, he was a believer. And so here comes King Jehoshaphat. And here they are sitting 
at their thrones. And prophet after prophet after prophet comes up and says, God's with you. Go. Well, Jehoshaphat had, had better discernment. Not perfect discernment, but he had better discernment. And the Bible tells us, well, let's just turn over there really quick. In 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings and, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 2. 1 Kings chapter 22, 1 Kings chapter 22, 1 Kings chapter 22. And let's just look at verse 2 to set things up, and then we'll, we'll move on down. 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 2. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. It's interesting, the Bible says he came down when, if you look at a map, he actually went up. But, you know, spiritually, he had to come down. And the Bible tells us he came and... Him and King Ahab sat on their thrones. He wanted to go up to Ramoth Gilead. Look at verse number six. The king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up for the Lord. Okay, the advantage we have in the King James Version of the Bible is Lord is in all capitals there, which means this. Jehovah. So they were not just saying Lord generically. These were prophets who claimed to be prophets of Jehovah, prophets of God. The Lord is going to be with you. The Lord shall deliver Ramoth Gilead into the hand of the king. Well, verse number seven, Jehoshaphat is just, he's, he's apparently has never heard of any of these prophets. And the Bible says in verse 7, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides? In other words, besides these, these hand-picked, these yes-men. I mean, what about, what about Elisha? I mean, uh, what about one of these others? Are there, are there not any available? And maybe they were all out of town, but there was one, and... Ahab, with hesitation, says, yeah, there, there, there's, there's one, but I hate him. I can't stand him. And we know the story. Micaiah comes, and Micaiah speaks the word. The Bible tells us in verse number, uh, verse number 17, when Micaiah delivers his message, he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills, as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. King of Israel said unto Hoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, another said on that manner. And there came forth the Spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. 
And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I'll go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And God said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. And so we have seen this before. Should it be any wonder to us, it still happens today. Lying spirits in the mouth of false prophets. God's word always reveals those lying prophets. You notice that God, in his grace and mercy, gave Ahab Micaiah, who preached the word of God and said, Hear thou the word of the Lord. But Ahab refused to hear it. Don't believe a teacher just because he says he's a messenger of God, that he's a preacher. Even if he is a messenger of God, his message had better be consistent with God's word. In 1 Kings chapter 13, we read about a prophet, a prophet of God, who brings a false message to another prophet of God, and it causes that prophet of God to get eaten or uh, to, uh, to get killed, I, I'm sorry, to get uh, killed by a lion. Uh, and you can read that, First Kings chapter 13, and it was because he listened to a false prophet over the word of God. Galatians 1.8, Paul says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I would say this concerning our salvation. Pretty basic and pretty simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That if the elect believe in him, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's not what it says. And that's what the Calvinists would have you to believe. The word of God says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, let me warn you. There are false teachers out there under the guise of Christianity who will try to turn you against your church, against your preacher, and against this very word of God right here. Don't let it happen. You need to teach or, or put teachings to the test. Don't misplace your trust. And then above all, realize not all spiritual teachers are teaching the truth. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed, and with every eye closed.